Benzedrine is not today a stimulant used to treat ADHD, but in the past it was used to treat many things, perhaps including unrecognized ADHD. Hello, my name is Gina Para, and in this podcast, I'll share with you a historical perspective on Benzedrine and how its poor reputation might have created lasting stigma around taking a neurostimulant, even for a legitimate condition such as ADHD. Maybe you're too young to have heard the song, Who Put the Benzedrine in Mrs. Murphy's Ovaltine? It was definitely before my time. Fortunately, though, we can watch this video with the song by Harry the Hipster Gibson and wonderful animation, really, you must see it, from the 1938 Max Fleischer, Betty Boop. The cartoon is entitled Sally Swing. To play the video, click on the link in this podcast description, and you'll see it in the post. You can also read the full lyrics and some biographical information about Harry. Meanwhile, to set the scene, the animation begins with poor Mrs. Murphy scrubbing the floor, exhausted. She's barely able to push her scrub brush one more time. Next thing we know, though, she's hippity-hop and Betty Boop is doing an intervention. But wait, now Mrs. Murphy, Bobby Soxed, and Chipper is energetically leading the swing orchestra. Meanwhile, the question remains, was Mrs. Murphy abusing a stimulant, or did she have ADHD? Perhaps with a little more information about her, we could make a case either way. I share this not to offer a diagnosis for a a vintage animated cartoon figure, but as historical proof that stimulants are not new, and really neither is ADHD. Given so much modern-day pearl-clutching headlines about stimulant abuse, you'd think that the ADHD diagnosis and treatment has caused the phenomenon, but it's not true, not by a long shot. In my first book, Is It You, Me, Your Adult ADD?, I write briefly about the discovery that neurostimulants such as Benzedrine work for many people to reduce symptoms of ADHD. This was discovered accidentally in the 1930s. I hope you all find this as interesting as in, and informative as I did. Anyway, as long as humans have had access to substances, there has been abuse. Humans have abused amphetamine-class stimulants since 1928, and probably earlier. Yet, for all we know, many cases of abuse were simply people with ADHD finding benefit from the stimulant. Today, there's no question that millions benefit from responsible ADHD treatment using stimulants. Let's just speculate about Mrs. Murphy actually having ADHD Prescribed responsibly, her benzedrine-spiked ovaltine maybe wouldn't have interfered with sleep, nor would it have made her into a domestic robot. But it might have boosted her motivation and focus to live life to its fullest and get stuff done. The year the song came out, 1944, is noteworthy. Some medical historians would place 1944 smack in the middle of the amphetamine epidemic in the U.S. It happened elsewhere, too, though. 
In the UK, a 1960 study of retail prescriptions showed 3% were for amphetamines. That paper cites figures indicating that per doctor visit around 1960, a woman was twice as likely as a man to receive an amphetamine prescription to, quote, adjust her mental state. The pattern with minor tranquilizers in the same period was similar. One magazine advertisement for Benzedrine features a man uh, looking very much uh, 1950s stylish in his gray suit, and it leads with the line, if the individual is depressed, and then it goes on in the small print to talk about Benzedrine. You know, that actually makes some sense. Many people with ADHD have long been and still are misdiagnosed with depression or anxiety. Because guess what? Living with unrecognized ADHD can be depressing and anxiety-creating. Yet, they find their depression goes away only when their ADHD is treated with a stimulant. In fact, some people with undiagnosed ADHD suffer for years, only getting worse on antidepressants until their ADHD is properly treated. And of course, amphetamines were also used for weight loss. But again, abusing amphetamines, or in some cases, treating ADHD. I covered interesting research in a blog post years ago linking untreated ADHD and obesity from two Canadian researchers. Meanwhile, let's learn a little bit more about Benzedrine. Here's some information I adapted from Wikipedia. Benzedrine is the trade name of the racemic mixture of amphetamine. The drug was often referred to as Benny's. It was marketed under this brand name in the U.S. by Smith, Klein, and French in the form of inhalers, starting in 1928. By inhalers, I mean like those little plastic Vicks inhalers. Used to enlarge nasal and bronchial passages, it is closely related to other stimulants produced later, such as dextroamphetamine and methamphetamine. And by methamphetamine, I mean the pharmaceutical methamphetamine, not street meth. While the drug was initially used for medical purposes, such as a bronchodilator, early users of the inhaler discovered that it also had a euphoric stimulant effect, resulting in its being one of the earliest synthetic stimulants to be widely used for recreation, that is, non-medical, purposes. Even though this drug was intended for inhalation, some people used the drug, quote, recreationally by cracking the container open and swallowing the paper strip inside. Does this sound pretty familiar to what happens today with some stimulant abuse? Yes, I think so. The strips were often rolled into small balls and swallowed or taken with coffee or alcohol. I don't know what what name they might have nickname they might have had for one of those combos. Because of the stimulant side effect, physicians discovered that amphetamine could also be used to treat narcolepsy. This led to the production in tablet form. Doctors used it to perk up lethargic patients before breakfast. In 1937, its use was studied in children with behavior behavioral and neurological disorders. And I detail that in my first book, Is It You, Me, or Adult ADD? 
By the 1940s and the 1950s, reports began to emerge about the recreational use of the inhalers, and in 1949, doctors began to move away from from prescribing the drug as a bronchodilator and appetite suppressant. I can tell you, maybe they started moving away then, but I remember as a child in the 60s hearing from a lot of, hearing about and hearing from a lot of women who were using it to control their weight when they weren't smoking cigarettes. Okay, to continue. In 1959, the U.S. FDA made it a prescription drug, and it and other derived amphetamines were used as a stimulant for armed forces in World War II and Vietnam. So now, let me summarize the points I was trying to make in this post. One, amphetamine use and abuse is not new. ADHD diagnoses and medications did not cause the amphetamine epidemic. Two, but lingering remembrance of the epidemic perhaps still cast a shadow on the legitimate treatment for ADHD. Three, some historical information on benzodrine. It was once used as an asthma inhaler. Interesting, given that asthma rates are elevated in the ADHD population. In the blog post, you'll also find a link to an article about Harry the hipster. I'll read a few paragraphs, just because he's an interesting character. In the first decade of the 20th century, the words hep and hip were used interchangeably to mean aware. The precise origin of the words is unknown, though one theory suggests that slaves from Senegal used the word XIPI, pronounced hippie or hippe in the native Wolof language, which means to have your eyes open and be aware. Calling someone hip or hep became a way to note their sophistication, coolness, or knowledge of fashion. It was particularly relevant in the world of jazz, where the coolest and most in-the-know characters were called hep cats. In 1939, Cab Calloway published his lexicon of jazz vernacular, Cab Calloway's Hepster's Dictionary, Language of Jive. Pun on the Webster's Dictionary, Hepster, came to mean a white fan of jazz. If one fan person can be identified as the first hipster, it might be Harry Gibson, born Harry Rabb in the Bronx in the 1950s. Growing up around Harlem, Rab adopted jive talk and became a proficient and energetic jazz pianist in speakeasies. In 1939, Fats Waller recruited him as his intermission act, and Rab lifted a new stage name, Gibson, off a gin bottle. For the next six years, he studied music at Juilliard during the day and played at various jazz clubs along the Sweet Street. Swing Street stretch of 52nd Street at night. During this period, he started calling out to his audience as hipsters and soon adopted the appellation for himself. I hope that all you Hepcats found this podcast both entertaining and informative. Thanks for listening.